You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, I've got to say I'm, I'm so excited about the EP. I have had the privilege of, of having a sneak preview and listen, and uh, I've got to tell you the spontaneous moments are just the gold on, uh, on this EP, and uh, we pray that you would really encounter the Lord where you are as you listen to that. And I want to say a massive well done and, and thank you. I'm so proud of Mark and, and the whole worship and production team and all of you that serve in week in, week out to help us access and come into the presence of God. You know, the, the first time that, uh, that Mark and I met uh, we were at a worship conference, and um, I, I, Mark had come actually to, to the church where I was one of the leaders, and, um, and, and we met for the first time. He ministered. He's a brilliant teacher of the Bible and got some incredible revelation, praise, and worship, and taught in the morning. I remember in the evening, uh, we, had, we had this worship encounter evening. And, and, and the team had said to Mark, you know, you should lead worship. And, and Mark in his normal kind of relaxed style, no, no, you, you give fine. You guys, you lead. I'll just, I'll just be there. And, um, and I remember like the team had been praying and fasting. And um, I, I mean, I've been part of the ministry for 20 years. We were passionate about the presence of God. And on that night, it was like we'd, we'd been together for the day. It was one of sometimes when you build community, it's and you can just, your hearts are ready. And people came and... And um, after about, I don't know, something like 30, 40 minutes, uh, we were in the presence of God in such a tangible and powerful way. And, and I had this dawning realization that I was, in, in, from a leadership point of view, the most senior person in the room, and I had never been further in the presence of God than we were at that moment. I'd been leading worship myself for 15 years. There was just an incredible sense of the presence of the Almighty. And I thought, gosh, we're 40 minutes in, and I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to go through the next door. I've never been further, deeper, closer. The, the main thing for me was, can we just sustain this? How do we not lose what we've got? And Mark, who we just met earlier in the day, and he, I, I don't really remember what happened other than I, he said, do you mind if I say something? And I was like, no, please do. So he got up, and, and I don't know what he did. I think he just started to go, ah, 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 just started to sing. And we went through another door, and the presence of God intensified to another level. And it was like heaven on earth. It was an open heaven that night. People were being set free. I remember the end of the evening, like when we finally came to an end, people that had not met each other before were hugging each other and praying together, and it was just something Incredible. I remember when we came here 11 years ago, the first person we invited to come was Mark. Uh, because we're passionate about the presence of God. And we said, would you come and minister? And, and anyway, the, well, the Lord, the Lord was at work. And, and Mark and Simona have obviously been part of the ministry here now. But, but I say that as part of an introduction because I want to talk today about dwelling in the presence of the Almighty. About living in the presence of God, staying in the presence of God. You see, I, I believe with all of my heart that, that God does not want us merely to be visitors, but to be dwellers in his manifest presence. And so uh, if you've got a Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 35. 
And um, the title of my message is Back to Bethel, Back to Bethel, because we're talking about uh, when the Lord speaks to Jacob and he invites him to go back to a place of encounter, which for him was Bethel. Uh, Just as you're turning to Genesis 35, when we speak about the presence of God here at CLM, we're not usually referring to the omnipresence of God. Theologically, it is understood that God is omniscient. In other words, he is all-knowing, that he is omnipotent, he is all-powerful, and that he is omnipresent. That means that he is everywhere. There is nowhere he cannot be. And the psalmist uh, puts it like this, uh, Psalm 139, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. There is nowhere that God cannot be. But we are rather talking about the manifest presence of God, where God manifests that he is there. That you know that he is there because you felt it. Uh, and, and I know that, that some of you have not understood this yet because we have conversations and, and it's, it's clear and some of you have, but I want you to know that God makes himself felt. That if you go after him, he will make himself felt. That it is not merely a belief that we hold theologically that God exists and Jesus died for our sins, but he will come and presence himself in our Midst, And we would talk about the presence of God or the, the manifest presence of God, that he has made himself manifest. And sometimes you can feel the atmosphere change. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, sometimes I'll, I'll turn to Esther and I'll say, the Lord is here, like in the, in the middle of worship. No, no, the Lord wasn't here. The Lord's always here. The, the, Lord's, the, the, the Lord's always wherever you may be, but he makes himself felt. And when I say the Lord is here, I mean the presence of God has just shown up and you can feel it. And those who know the presence of God, we all feel it at the same moment. And if you've not yet felt it, if you keep going after God, you will know what I'm talking about. And it will not be a mystery. It will be understood. It will be known. And something happens in us when we encounter the presence of God. You see, sometimes people come into our corporate worship for the first time and they begin to weep. And they say, I don't know what happened. I just came in, I, the band started to play, and I, I began to weep. And we say, it's the presence of God. You see, God is in Greg's, but they didn't weep in Greg's. Why? Because he's, he's omnipresent in Greg's, but he's not manifest. Well, he might be manifesting Greg's, but he's never manifested his presence yet to me over a sausage roll. But when I've come as a worshiper, he will presence himself. It's our natural habitat. God walks with, that man walked with God in the garden before the fall. And, and when we experience that manifest sense of God, that God is here, we, it might feel like goosebumps. It, it, might, it might feel deeper and, and, our, and our heart might start to thump within us, although we're not nervous. We, we, would, we might feel empowered. There is something of God himself revealed and once you've tasted it, in my experience, you're ruined for anything less. You, you, you can't know that's possible and not go after it. You know, Esther sharing her story as a teenager, going to a prayer meeting led by Suzette Hatting, who worked with Reinhold Bonnke in, in his crusades, an incredible, mighty intercessor. And, and, and Esther said it was the first time a girl that had grown up in, in, in a vicar's household, and yet the first time she had encountered the manifest presence of God, and saying, like, she came back, she was trying to find the songs they'd sung on that day. She just was trying to get back to that place. 
It was the same for me. I got saved when I was 17. I remember the first times that I encountered the manifest presence of God. I, I was fully alive. I remember going to a service and a man of God called David Shearman, who became a spiritual father to me when I served in ministry for, for 20 years. He was preaching and the anointing that was on his life, the Lord manifested his presence in that place and I wanted to be around him. I wanted to be near him. I wanted to be around that anointing, that presence. I had no language for it. I couldn't have said it like I've just saying it. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I wanted to be in that place, the manifest presence of God. If you've never known the presence of God like I'm talking about, the best thing to do is just to seek after God. Desire Him and He will reveal Himself to you. But my message today is about moving from occasional encounter to permanent habitation. Genesis 35, 1 to 15, then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there. Hold that thought, go up to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Come, then let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me on the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I've gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out and the terror of God fell on all the towns around them, on the towns, sorry, all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak outside Bethel, so it was named Alon Bakuth, which means oak of weeping. After Jacob returned, that is, to Bethel from Padan, Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you'll no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. Then God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. Kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up to him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him. And he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him, Bethel. You might wonder what this story has got to do with us in 2023. Let me help us with two things. Firstly, the New Testament tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, and Romans 15, 4, that the stories of the Old Testament happened and were recorded, were written down for us as examples, as warnings to teach and encourage us to endure. In other words, these are not just historical stories. They are written down for us to glean from. There is meaning within them. They are warnings. They are encouragements. They are instructions. So there is something in this story for me, according to the New Testament. And secondly, this story will only make sense if you understand the significance of Bethel to Jacob. Bethel means the house of God. The presence of God was manifest to Jacob at Bethel many years earlier. It was his place of encounter. What had happened is Jacob had, had deceived his brother Esau out of a blessing and Esau was threatening to kill him and so he had to flee for his life. And while he was on the run, the Bible says in, in Genesis 28 that he came to a certain place. Can we all say certain place? 
This is a nondescript. It's kind of, he just came to a certain place. He came to a place and he lay his head down on a stone. And that night he encountered Almighty God. God appeared to him in a dream. He spoke to him and he got up and he said, How awesome is this place? This place that was just an ordinary place, it has become an awesome place because God was in this place. And I didn't even know it. And he makes a covenant, he makes a vow before the Lord and, and he, he sets up a pillar. And he says, I'll call this certain nondescript place, I'm going to call it Bethel, which means the house of God. This is the very house of God. It was his place of encounter. And, and, and also, later on in, in his life, God appears to Jacob again, and God says to him, I am the God of Bethel. God doesn't announce himself as the God of Bethel anywhere else in Scripture. But to Jacob, he says, I'm the God of Bethel. He said, do you remember that place where you met Almighty God? I am the same God. I'm the God of Bethel. So Bethel for him means encounter. Bethel is the place of the presence. And here later in Jacob's life, God speaks to him and he says, go up then to Bethel and settle there. I want you to make your home in a place of encounter. I want you to put your roots down in the place of the presence. I don't want you just to be a visitor. I want you to dwell there. And I believe that this is a word to us, that actually we wouldn't just be those that seek after momentary encounter. I thank God for momentary encounter. I believe that there are moments in our lives where God meets with us, where we have an epiphany, where the presence of God is poured out, where somebody prophesies over us, where something changes. I can tell you a few instances in my life, they were moments of encounter and they are priceless in my life. But God is not looking for us only to have moments, but also to have momentum, to not just be visitors, but also to be dwellers. I thank God that I can come into this church nearly every week and sense the presence, the manifest presence of God. But I know that I don't have to wait from Sunday morning to Sunday morning because God wants me to be a dweller. Hello. And this is my encouragement as today. And this is what I think God is saying to Jacob. Do you remember that place where you met me? I want you to go back there. But this time I want you to settle. I want you to dwell in that place. And I want us to take a note of a number of things here. And I'm going to need to move quickly. I want us to take note of the invitation. Firstly, let us take note that it's the Lord that makes the invitation. I don't know if, if anybody like me is excited about the presence of God. Like I, I love the presence of the Lord. It like it's my number one thing in life. I desire to be in his presence more than anything else. But what I also see here, the Lord wants me to be in his presence. It's not just my desire, it's his desire. He, he says to Jacob, come, come, go to Bethel. He makes the invitation. In fact, it's more an instruction. And he's already made a way, as, as we've heard earlier in our services, we've broken bread, as AJ has led us, that he has opened up the curtain to the most holy place, that we might come into his presence, we might access the Shekinah glory. There is an invitation that comes from God. Let us also understand that, that he invites him or instructs him to settle, to move from visitation to residence. You know, I, I have had to learn in my own life that I can encounter the presence of God without a band, without a keyboard. I thank God for, for Mark Beswick's vocal. You wouldn't record my vocal, but I know that the Lord loves it as much as he loves his. You might not, but he does. So yesterday, I'm, everyone else was out. 
and I was in my living room, I, I just started to sing. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Whoa. Whoa. And there in my living room, the manifest presence of God came. I didn't need to wait for Sunday morning. I remember becoming a Christian at 17, going off to university and, and, and going to different meetings. But I, I remember coming back and I had a protracted period of time where I learned to practice the presence of God. I learned to be a dweller. I remember for three or four months getting nearer and nearer and nearer, rising early every morning, getting into the Word, opening it, praying, speaking in tongues a lot, changing my playlist, listening to songs that help me get into the presence, talking to the Lord, getting to the point where I could just speak His name and sense His presence. I was on a, a Christian training school in the mornings. I was working in Asda in the afternoon. I remember having an encounter in the pastor aisle in my, in my Asda uniform. Why? Because I'd learned that I didn't need to wait for a keyboard. I'd learned to be a dweller in the presence. I want to encourage us, church, to seek to be dwellers in the presence, to get back to Bethel, to go and settle there, to be a presence seeker, to be someone who's not just waiting for those moments of encounter for which we thank God, and let's believe for many of them, but actually we would be those that carry a momentum in the presence of God. Also, the invitation, do you notice that he instructs Jacob to build an altar? Partly this could be seen as a fulfillment of Jacob's earlier vow at Bethel years ago, but also the altar. It's a place of worship. It's, it's a place of exchange. It's a place where, where you bring something on the altar. You bring a sacrifice. You bring an offering. But then the Lord manifests himself. It says when the temple is dedicated, that, that the, the musicians and the singers, they began to minister, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That when we offer something, he comes. He's already made the first move, but when we make the next move, he makes another move. This is my experience, that actually, if we will build an altar, which is firstly the place of our heart and the place of our worship, but if we will come and we will bring something, he will bring something. You won't seek after God and not find him revealed to you. Let me tell you, Jeremiah 29 says, you will find me when you seek me, when you seek me with all of your heart. If you go after God, you will find him. You will encounter him. You can be a dweller in the presence. I'd like us secondly to notice, take note of the cost. I call it the cost, but you could call it the response or the preparation. I don't know if it strikes you, but it struck me when I read this that God says, will you go up to Bethel and settle there? And then Jacob says, okay, I want us to get rid of all of our foreign gods. Let's get rid of our idols. We're going to need to purify ourselves, and we're also going to need to change our clothes. Wow. This is to be that they had tolerated certain things in Padan Aram, but if they're going to Bethel, Jacob knew that there were certain things that need to get sorted out. I find that remarkable that they had happily been living. Jacob had been happily allowing and tolerating foreign gods in the party, in his group. But if he's going to Bethel, if he's going to a holy place, he knows that they're going to have to purge. Wow. And so they sort themselves out. I want to tell you, if you're going to be a dweller in the presence, God is not looking for perfection. As we heard last week, thank God that the written code has been cancelled. I am not preaching against a doctrine of grace. It is all by grace. And also it is true that if I'm going to dwell in his presence, I'm going to need to deal with some things. You see, they got rid of all their idols, all their foreign gods. See, we, we don't have any idols, do we? Just 
just houses and cars and careers and relationships that, that, and phones and, yeah, and things that actually we struggle to let go of. If you've got anything in your life, the Lord asked you for it, you couldn't give it him, it's an idol. It's not wrong to have some of these things unless we're holding on to them, unless we can't let go. And sometimes we think that actually they've not got a hold of us until he comes and asks you. That's been my experience. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, you can have it all. And then he says, could you give me that? I'm like, Lord, not that. <laughs> Everything except that. Why that, Lord? Pick on Boaz. It's like, why, why are you coming after me? Because he knows. Yeah. He wants your heart. He wants us consecrated. If I'm going to be a presence dweller, I, I, I've shared before here, I remember the first time I did a full food fast for 21 days and I was getting towards the end, end of that time. And, I, and as, if I've ever heard God, I heard God on that day. And I remember I was just kneeling down in this little, this little uh, lean-to, you kind of call it. It wasn't a conservatory. It was, you, you could have pushed it over, but it was there on the side of the house. And I was kneeling down, seeking the Lord, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, will you be obscure for me? I remember saying, Lord, what? What do you mean? Will you be obscure for me? Will you be hidden? Will you be in a place where nobody knows you and no one sees you? Will you be obscure for me? I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I, you, I believe you called me to minister. I believe you called me to preach. Why, why, would, why would you want me to be obscure? Will you be obscure for me? I remember wrestling. God. And honestly, it was so real. It was so vivid. I literally thought my life was going to change. And I wrestled. But years earlier, I'd said, Lord, you can have my life. Whatever, wherever, whenever. And I had to come back to that place of consecration. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, if you go with me, I'll be obscure for you. And I barely caught my breath. And the Holy Spirit said, as clear as anything, will you be prominent for me? And I want to tell you, if you've accepted obscurity, the ugliest thing in life is prominence. Mum saying, Lord, I don't want to be prominent. I'm good with obscurity. Like, send Mark. I'm like, seriously, I don't want to be prominent. Why, why do I want people to, to be able to see me? I don't want to be talked about over Sunday lunch. I don't want my kids to be in the spotlight. Lord, please, please, send someone else. I don't want to be prominent. Let me be obscure. I remember wrestling. I remember saying, Lord, if you go with me, I'll be prominent for you. I barely caught my breath. He said, Martin, will you give me a house? And we had a little three-bed semi. It wasn't much to write home about, but it was our home. I didn't think it meant much to me until he asked me for it. And I knew people that had sold their houses and given the money away, and I literally thought that might be what he was asking me. I was like, Lord, for real? I was like, Lord, you can have my house. And literally, he worked me through. He was checking me for foreign gods. He was checking me out. Have you got anything in your tent? Have you got anything hidden under the rug? Like, I'm just coming and I'm examining you. Because if you're going to be a presence dweller, and the truth is, he was preparing me for another season of encounter, of deeper encounter. But first, I had to come. There was a cost. For Jacob and his team, they had to deal with their foreign gods. They had to purify themselves. You can think about that, the, the internal things in our lives. And I, I don't know how it is that, that sometimes we, we tolerate certain levels of, let me say it, sin. Yeah. Acceptable sin to us. Where the certain sin, we know we'd need to confess, we'd need to repent. But other things, we kind of, we're okay to live with. It's not that bad. 
Let other people do it. And, and, and the, but actually, the Holy Spirit will come. So you want to be a dweller. You want to be a dweller in the presence. We need to purify ourselves. He said, will you purify yourself? Will you raise the bar? Will you put it back where it should have been in the first place? And he says, will you change your clothes? I said, Lord, what does it mean that they purify themselves and then they change their clothes? And, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, people, are, they're wearing stuff. They're carrying stuff they shouldn't be wearing and carrying. Names, confessions, things that have been spoken over us, things that we've spoken over ourselves. We need to change them to come into the presence, to go back to Bethel, to be those that dwell in the presence of God. Heaviness. Isaiah 61 says, He has bestowed on us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. I love that. You know, if Esther gives me a jumper and bestows on me a jumper uh, at Christmas and I open it up and there it is, who knows that, that, that it hasn't fulfilled its purpose while it's in my hands? I've got to put it on. And he's bestowed on us a garment of praise. Well, we better put it on to lift off a garment of heaviness, to change our clothes. Some things might need to change. This is, it seems like a, it's getting a bit heavy here, but there was a cost if they were going to go back to Bethel. Let me tell you, if you want to be a dweller in the presence, I, does anyone want to be a dweller in the presence? I want to be a dweller in the presence. There is a cost. It's all by grace, but there is a cost. But let me encourage us by turning to a third thought, which is the journey. You might feel daunted. You might feel unsure. You might, you might wonder, can I even make it? Can I overcome this thing in my life? I want to tell you, as soon as they set out, can we say set out? The Bible says, when they set out, the terror of the Lord fell upon all those who were around. So no one pursued them. There was divine protection. My friends, it's never for God. It's always with God. He will help us make the journey. I want to tell you today, he will help you. If you want to be a presence dweller, he will help you to make the journey. He will protect you. He will watch over you. And you also notice that they went together. The first time when Jacob had a, like a one-off encounter at Bethel, it was just him and the Lord that, that at another time, actually, he sent everybody away. The time when he wrestled with God and he said, like, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he didn't even know. I said, who are you? And, the, and the, the man that he's wrestling with, he wouldn't reveal. He knew in his heart somehow he was wrestling with God. And he received a blessing. He was by himself. He sent everyone away. But if you're going to be a dweller, then people had to come with him. And what I take from this is actually, I can have momentary encounters by myself, but if I'm going to be a dweller in the presence, I'm going to need others with me. Others who are also presence dwellers. Others that are also seeking to be those who go after God. Those that will encourage me. Those that will spur me on. Those that will hold me to account. Those that, that will challenge me. Those whose lives and example will inspire me. Those, when I'm not doing so well, I'll look at them and I'll say, come on, Martin, you can do this. Those around my life. I remember coming back from university and I, I, I was at this, this period of time that I just talked about when I, when I worked at Asda. I remember it was also a time of, of changing my friendships and connections. I want to tell you, it was a really painful time for me. But, but I knew that the people I was hanging out with were not those that were running hard after God. And I'd made a decision that by the grace of God, I wanted to be a man of God when I grew up. I still want to be a man of God when I grow up. And I remember I moved from the back row to the second row. I started going to the prayer meeting and hanging out with people at the prayer meeting. And the truth was for me that my natural chemistry and my humor was not really a fit with those I was starting to hang out with as much as those I had been hanging out with. But I made a decision 
but there were brothers and there were sisters that were going hard after God, and I needed them in my world. And I want to tell you, Christ-centered community, we need those around our lives, those people that are going to encourage us on our walk, help us to keep going. Let's look fourthly at what I might call the result. You see, they set out and they make the journey and they go back to Bethel and God meets them there. This is the result. When you set your heart after him, you will find him. He will manifest his presence to you. You won't go after him and him not show up. This is not what happens. And so God comes, the Bible says, that after Jacob returned, God appeared to him again and blessed him. He will not evade you, my friends. There have been times in my life, many times, where God has gone quiet on me. When I've needed an answer and the heavens have been like brass. I've been through trials and tribulations. I've been through difficulties. I'm not promising you a charmed life, but I've never gone after God and Him not show up. I've never sought after God and Him not show up. And my life is blessed. Do you notice that the Lord changes His name? He says, your name's been Jacob, but you're not going to be called that anymore. Now, Jacob means grasps the heel because he'd come out second uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the twins of him and Esau, holding on to, to Esau's heel. Grasps the heel, but it really means deceiver. And the truth is he'd lived a life of deception and he'd also been deceived himself. But God comes, he says, that's been your name, but it's not your name anymore. I'm going to call you Israel. Israel really means wrestles with God or triumphant with God. And he's reminding of that time where he wrestled. He said, God, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. And God blessed him. He said, that's your name. You're triumphant with God. This is who you are. Let me tell you, when we, when we are presence dwellers, we will understand our identity. We will understand who we are. We will grasp who we are. We will grasp our name. We will grasp that we are sons. We will grasp that we are daughters, truly. He also says, I'm, I am God Almighty. I'm so glad today that our teenagers are in the room and some of our, our younger generation. My friends, this is a message for everyone from the youngest to the oldest. But here there is something that I think is particularly powerful for those that are younger today because the, the significance, when he says to him, uh, he appears to him, he says, I am God Almighty. He uses the name El Shaddai, which means the all-sufficient one. But here's why it's so important because El Shaddai is the name of God that was first revealed to his grandfather, Abraham. He comes to Abraham and he says, I am El Shaddai. And then when Jacob is about to flee uh, from his father's house, he, his father blesses him for he goes and he says, May El Shaddai bless you. You see, Jacob knew that El Shaddai was God that his grandfather knew. And he also knew that El Shaddai was a God that his father knew because he used the name. But now he comes and he says, I am El Shaddai. And he reveals himself to Jacob. It's no longer about his granddad or his dad there's an encounter. The promise that he's made to them successively, generationally, he now makes to Jacob himself. And I want to say when we come after God, he will reveal himself to us. You know, there are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God, only sons and daughters in every generation. I know there are some young people in the house today, and you know, you thank God for, you should thank God that you've grown up in 
in godly homes with moms and dads that have taught you the ways of the Lord. But there comes a moment and there comes a day where you set your own heart to be one that's going to seek after God, that's going to search after God, that's going to go after God. And it's not, not to despise what your parents have done, but there's going to come a time to come out of their shadow and to know God for yourself. And here's what's going to happen is God's going to reveal himself to you that you're no longer going to live under the revelation that your parents had. You're going to have your own revelation. And this is what happens when he says to him, I am El Shaddai. And then he speaks about the future. He promises a blessing to generations. He, He says, the land that I promised to your granddad and to your dad, I'm making a promise to you now. It's not just inherited. It's given. Something that comes to you. Will the band come and join me? In a moment, I'd like to create a moment of response for those of us who want to say yes to the Lord, those who, who say, I, I, I want to be a presence dweller, not just one that visits. I want to move from occasional encounter to living in encounter. There might be some who would want to say, I, I set my heart. I might not be there yet, but I set my heart to move out from my parents' faith and revelation, that I would know God for myself. But as we finish, let me also just mention a fifth area, which I would call the error. I, say, I could be wrong. I could be reading too much into the scriptures. But as I read it, God says to Jacob, uh, go back to Bethel and settle there. In other words, stay there. Put your roots down there. Make a home there. Live that. Make that your base. Go out from other places, sure. But keep coming back to Bethel. But we get to the very next verse after what we've read. Now, maybe God spoke to them and asked them to move on. But it's, and it's just not said there. But as I read it, God has said, settle in Bethel. But the next verse, it says, they moved on from Bethel. Well, sorry, I thought you'd said settle in Bethel. It says they moved on. And while there was still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And it, it goes into a season of great pain and great problems. I'm not saying that being a presence dweller will give you a charmed life. But I do believe there's protection and blessing there. And there can be some of us that we ran well. We were presence dwellers and just maybe through the busyness of life maybe through the trials and tribulations, maybe through the challenges, maybe through disappointment, maybe through hurt and pain. You don't need me to go on. But actually, we, we're here today. I go, you know, Lord, once I was in a good place, but now I'm not in such a good place. And, and, and I've, I'd moved on from Bethel, if you understand my illustration today. But here's the beautiful thing, that whatever Jacob did, Jacob did. But the New Testament says that these stories are written as warnings for us that we might come and go, well, I, I don't want to move away from Bethel and stay away from Bethel, so I better make a decision to be a presence dweller again, to run hard after God again, to be one that seeks Him again, to one that searches after God, to one that who, who is going after God. You know, the summer, it can, be a, it can be a lazy, spiritually lazy time. I've noticed it in 30 years of ministry. People go on holiday and then we come back in September. It's like, right, let's, church, let's not go through the summer. Lazy. Wouldn't it be great for us to come through the summer seeking God? Next week, we start a a beautiful series for six weeks on the life of David. It's going to be powerful. But we'll be those that in this summer set our hearts to be dwellers in the presence. Maybe you've drifted away, but today it's time to come back. I want to invite us all to stand. Let's open our hearts. I'm going to invite you in in a moment as the band leaders in in the song 
Lord, I give you my heart that, that we might respond to him. But I also want to say there are some that he's going to help you to come out of your seat today. To, to come and say, Lord, I want to be one that goes after you. I want to run hard after you, God. I want to be a presence dweller. Maybe that you've drifted and, and you say, I, I need to come back. Maybe that you just say, God, I need you to know I am coming after you. I am not going to have a life or a Christian walk where I do not encounter you for myself. You might be a young person today and you say, I thank, thank you, Lord, for my parents. Thank you, Lord, for my house. But I'm saying, Lord, I'm making a decision to come after you for me. That you might speak to me, that you might be, I might be that third generation El Shaddai person. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you, if you need to come and respond, just to come and stand down the front or kneel down the front to make a move now. And as I start to pray, Lord, we thank you that you have revealed yourself. We thank you, God, that, that you are one. Who has opened the door to us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Some of you need to make a move. It'll help you. Don't delay. Holy Spirit, I pray. Come fill this place. Come fill this place. Lord, we pray, God, take us, sword from those that visit to those that dwell. Lord, that we will be those that that know how to tabernacle, that know how to abide, that, that know how to encounter your presence. Lord, not, not just when we have a, a worship team to help us, but where we cultivate your presence. We practice your presence.